Welcome to Journey in the Word with Pastor Randy Mosher of Calvary Chapel, the Cumberland Valley. We are located in Hagerstown, Maryland. Please join us every weekday as our pastor takes us verse by verse through a book of the Bible. Today, we're picking up in the Gospel of Luke, where the writer emphasizes the ministry that Jesus had to the poor and hurting and our need for a Savior. All of these being validated by the Old Testament prophecies about Christ. So if you're able, grab your Bibles and join us as we continue our journey in the Word. And yet I would tell you that sadly, those very people that they're keeping out may very well be some of the people who are carrying the heaviest burdens and need the rest and deliverance which only Jesus can bring to their lives as they hear the Word taught and they hear God's heart being given to them. And yet, so many people shut them out. You know, I could go on and on with the rules and the regulations and so much of it is pure religion of men and not the pure religion of God. May I just say to you guys this morning, be very, very careful with this kind of stuff. Be very careful about the ideas you hold about what spirituality is or isn't. Be very careful about constraining people from reaching out to Jesus in order to maintain the religious rules and regulations you feel are so important to maintain in order to ensure true spirituality from your perspective. Be careful of constraining Jesus from what it is he should or shouldn't do or when he should or shouldn't do it. The religionists of his day were content to leave men and women under their burden so as not to disrupt their own ideas about the Sabbath and about spirituality. Jesus had absolutely no problems freeing people from their burdens on the Sabbath. And in his mind, what better day could there possibly be than to do just that? So they carried their burdens an extra minute, an extra hour, an extra day more than they needed to. They could have come on the Sabbath as, as, and, and, and found that healing, but they waited. Let's not cause people to wait in our world. Let's not cause people to hesitate to come to Jesus in our world. Always remember what Jesus is saying to men and women. And be very careful that our message to people aligns with this. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But only come in the following way. Only come on this certain day. Only come dressed like this. Only come expecting to meet like... No, he doesn't say any of that. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Wow. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Yup, even on the Sabbath. Even on the Sabbath. The lifting of yokes. That's what Jesus came to do. He didn't come to violate the law, nor did he ever violate the law. He kept it perfectly. But he kept God's heart behind the law. And he refused to fall in line with what men and women had made the law to be about. It was a stench in his nostrils just as much as our twisting the scriptures and creating rules and regulations that the scriptures themselves do not convey in order to keep people 
in check to, to meet our idea of spirituality is repulsive to Jesus. He wants them to come. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. May we always present him and what he's offering to mankind with that understanding. Well, look on. Go on to verse 42. Now, when it was day, he departed and went into a deserted place. And the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, because for this purpose, I have been sent. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. Now, here Luke reveals to us, I believe he's revealing the humanity of Jesus. I mean, think about this. He tells us that as day dawned and he ministered to all these people, he begins to depart and, and he goes to this deserted place. Same day, day after the Sabbath, but now it's the mornings. Come remember, Sabbath started at sundown. Now the sun's coming up, so it's the next morning after he's done all these things, healing people, delivering them. But he departs to a deserted place. And like all humans, Jesus needed time away. He needed to find a place of quiet solitude and, and rest. This is a need that all of us have as human beings. Do you know that? We need rest. And don't underestimate the importance of your need for this, no matter what field of work you are in. We all need times of respite and, and, and restful refreshment. And yet those times of refreshment and rest should be about respite from the things of life and, and, and not a break from the Lord, you see. Now, why do I say that? I say it because over years of, of, of in my Christianity, I've heard some Christians say, I need a break from the things of the Lord for a while. I've heard those very words, even in ministry as a pastor. I need a break from the things of the Lord for a while. Now, look, for some people, what they were saying is, I need to stop the ministry that I'm doing right now, the service that I'm doing for the Lord in this capacity. I need a break from kids' ministries. I need a break from, you know, street witnessing. I need a break from these things right now. I just need time to, to just refresh myself in the Lord. That is cool. Nothing wrong with that. It's not wrong to take a, a break from ministry and service for the Lord. And oftentimes, what, what, but, 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 and that's what some are saying. But, but sometimes what I have found is that people are not saying that. What they're really saying is, I need to take a break from the Lord for a while. Oh, man, that's grievous. That, that, that's something completely altogether different. And it is not scriptural, not in the least. It's, it's not even fitting for any true child of God to want to do that. In fact, we're going to find that in many cases when Jesus, I would argue it's in all cases, he just doesn't express it in the gospels all the time this way. But, but when we see Jesus getting away like this, he isn't doing it to get away from his heavenly father. He's getting away from the stuff of life that's wearing him down so that he can spend time with his heavenly father. He needed to get away from the hustle and the bustle of the crowds and from ministry so that he could spend more time alone with his heavenly father. And that is more than appropriate for us as believers to do as well. Taking breaks away from the busyness of life so that we can spend time with the Lord, not away from Him. As we seek those times, I'm just going to tell you, they will prove to be the greatest times of refreshing we can ever experience. But to take breaks from the Lord is completely unthinkable. And it will never lead to the real refreshment any of us truly need as God's people. Yes, we need a break from the hustle and the bustle of ministry and life 
But we need those breaks so that we can get alone with the Lord and he can refresh us. You know, I I said something to the group this morning, and I, I just would say it to you all. You know, I know that there are people who are being worn down by everything that's happening related with COVID. You know, I understand that. I'm somewhat frustrated at times, too. I just, we all want to get back to our lives. But you know what? Maybe our time would be better spent using this as an opportunity to get with the Lord, to have this opportunity of refreshing from Him when we can't do everything else that would distract us when life is normal. I mean, think about it. Those of you, this church or other churches, there's not the busyness of all the activities of of having to serve. You're not having to be here to teach kids or do other stuff on the grounds. And and in terms of our work, yep, it's many are at work and some are not. Some are at work in limited ways. Some have a change in the way they do it. And at first, that's hard to get used to that. But in a lot of ways, we'd all argue that we're we're finding that our frustration is that we can't go out anymore. We can't run to the movies like we did. We don't go out to the to the to restaurants the way we did once. We don't go to the store quite as much. We're not doing all these things. And, and that's frustrating some people, but I'm actually finding it to be refreshing. I'm finding myself spending more time with the Lord. And I think that as we do that, we'd find refreshment. Boy, I sure hope we don't come out of the back end of this thing with all of you being more worn down than you were when you walked into it. I hope you come back with an energy and a refreshment that can only come from spending time with the Lord. You know, I have long said, I'm convinced that oftentimes, even though I'm a baby when I get sick, boy, that's the topic this morning, isn't it? But even though I'm a baby when I get sick, one of the things I have learned over the years is sometimes the Lord just simply allows the sickness in my life because it's the only way to couch me. It's the only way to get me to take a break so that I can find time with Him. And I do. I find myself grabbing my Bible and reading it while I'm laying there in my sickness, spending time just talking to him so he can talk to me. I believe God will use these times to refresh us if we'll let him. So don't let the circumstances frustrate you. Find a way to use this time that you have before life becomes overwhelming and busy again when this thing passes to get with the Lord as Jesus does. And so it is that Jesus is seeking a time of solitude and respite, time alone to simply commune with his heavenly Father. But, but Luke tells us that the crowds pursued him. Now, at this point in the narrative, the crowds are still pursuing him to hear what he has to say, by and large. But as time passes, we're going to find that the account will change. And we're going to find more and more that the crowds that he will draw won't be coming to hear what he has to say, but they'll be, enlarged, by and large, be coming to see him perform what? Miracles. Even here, the context hints at the fact that this crowd is pursuing him because of the miracles that he just performed in the preceding verses. But the attraction to miracles hasn't yet become as pronounced as it's going to be later in his ministry. But while miracles will become the focus of the crowds, know this, they will never be, nor are they today, the focus of Jesus. Jesus makes his focus very clear here in verse 43, and it has not changed. I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. Jesus' focus is and will continue to be the opening up of the scriptures to reveal the good news of the kingdom of God. 
to reveal God's plan of redemption, which was put in motion even before the world was called into being, which was now being fully realized in him. The very one the scriptures have always pointed to. And as for healings and deliverances and all the other miracles that Jesus will perform during his ministry, they will be secondary to this one primary focus, intended only to undergird and authenticate the reality of the message that he was sent to preach to them about the coming kingdom. But sadly, as time passes, we're going to find that when Jesus doesn't cater to the expectations of the crowds regarding these kinds of things, the miracles, the deliverances, the healings, many of them are going to depart from him. And some of them will even turn on him because he doesn't do these things. Nothing's new under the sun. Do you know that? Nothing is new under the sun. Nothing has changed much since this day when Jesus is speaking this. You know, think about this. Like the crowds in, in Jesus' day, many people, even many Christians, are still focused on these supporting things, the miracles, the miraculous, rather than on the real things that Jesus is still about. Just look at churches that offer the spectacular to people and contrast that with churches that offer nothing more than the simple teaching of God's Word. Which one draws the biggest crowds? Two churches, blocks apart. One is having supposed gold dust falling from their ceiling, miracles happening. Church down the street is simply communicating the message of the Word in its simplicity, teaching the Bible verse by verse, sharing the good news of the gospel with people, the good news of the life we can have in Christ. Which one's going to draw the crowd? I can tell you right now which one will. And yet while the crowds still clamor for miracles, the greatest miracle of all is found in the simplicity of the Word of God and the message of redemption being proclaimed in it. And yet, like the people of Jesus' day, people miss this powerful reality. So while the miraculous might draw attention, and look, the miraculous is not necessarily always wrong. I'm not an adherent of the idea that gold dust falls from ceilings, folks. Sorry. I adhere to the miracles of Scripture because that's the only guide I know to know that if something is authentic and of the Lord, if it's contained in the Scriptures itself. I don't disbelieve in healings. I don't disbelieve in deliverance from demons. I don't disbelieve even from the miracles that are described within the Scriptures. I'm an adherent and believer in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, yet being active today. So not all these things are necessarily wrong, but they are never, 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 ever, do you like that for emphasis? Never, ever, to be the focus. Jesus' words are as relevant and true today as they were when he spoke them to the crowds in this day. I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. So must I. I must preach the kingdom of God, because for this purpose I have been called. And so must you. You must preach the kingdom of God. You must preach the word of God. Because for that purpose, you have been saved and called. This is our calling. This is our priority, folks. 
This is our priority. Everything else is secondary. Look on. Verse 1 of chapter 5. So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake in Esaret and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. When they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. What a moment this must have been. You know, I thought of this passage a couple of years ago as we were standing at the Sea of Galilee in Israel and got out on one of those boats and they were showing us how they would fish with the nets and they were throwing them off the side. And, well, they didn't have Jesus on the boat at the moment because their nets were empty. <laughs> but I thought to myself, man, can you imagine when they threw their nets off, as this passage tells us, expecting it to produce nothing, and yet they pulled it back in, and it was overflowing like this. What a moment this must have been. Here is Jesus in Simon Peter's fishing boat, and after teaching the crowds from the boat, because he climbs into it and he tells Peter to set out, he wants to use that, he parks it close to the shore, the people have gathered, Jesus proclaims the good news of the gospel for the purpose of which he came. And then he has Simon launch out just a little bit further on the water, and he tells him to drop his nets for a catch of fish. Now, this makes no sense to Simon Peter, because it's clear that they fished all night, right? Verse 2 tells us that they were washing their nets. It indicates that they were cleaning up after fishing through the night. It was common to fish at night. Fish bite better at night. They, they're, they're, they're more likely to be looking for their food at night. And so they are just finished fishing. They're cleaning the nets. And, and it's clear from the passage that the fish weren't biting when they were out there. And so what has to be going through Simon's mind now is what good would it do for them to try again in the daytime when the fish are even less likely to be out feeding? Logically, this command did not compute. It was the wrong time of day, the wrong place, and the wrong depth to catch fish. But to Peter's credit, he does exactly what Jesus tells him to do. Master, Oh yeah, he offers up a little bit of confusion. Can't understand this. Doesn't make any sense. Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Jesus, what you're telling us makes no sense. We've tried. There's nothing here. And what you're telling us to do in time of day, this is not going to work, Jesus. But look what he immediately says. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Peter chooses to obey. He doesn't choose to hesitate. 
He chooses to obey. And look at the results of his simple step of obedience, of doing what the Lord asked, even though it didn't make much sense to him at the moment. Verse 6 tells us, And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. That means they didn't catch a few fish. Man, they got a haul. So much so the nets were breaking. In fact, Luke tells us that there were so many fish in the net that Simon then had to call to his partners in the other boat. Jesus knew that was going to happen. That they were going to call to the partners in the other boat to come and help them. And as they came out, the hall was even bigger, That so much so that the two boats began to sink. And as a result, Simon saw things that he never imagined possible. And it caused him to fall down in awe and conviction before the Lord and to humbly proclaim, this is a statement of humility, depart from me. Can you just picture this? Peter falling down, depart from me. For I am a sinful man, O Lord. Peter's probably thinking in this moment of the fact that he was doubting. Master, we've told all night and caught nothing. He's, this moment is likely regretting those words. Why would I even say such a thing? Look at what you've just done. Do you know, that this is the secret to experiencing tremendous things in the spiritual realm. This is the secret. Simple obedience to what the Lord asks of you. <laughs> That's it. You know, some people say they got the keys to the secrets, and there are all these formulas, spiritual formulas. I'm just telling you, this is it. Simple obedience to what the Lord has asked of you. At your word, Jesus. At your word, Jesus. In other words, whatever it is that you're asking me to do, regardless of how little sense it makes to me and to my way of thinking, at your word, I will let down the net you're commanding me to let down. <laughs> Far too many Christians have allowed way too much to get in the way of, of living out this simple spiritual process of obedience. And as a result, they have missed out on a lot of incredible things that the Lord wanted to do and was able to do in their lives. Maybe this is you this morning. Maybe this is where you're at. Maybe you have faithfully followed Jesus, but you have held back on things that he's asked of you, not willing to turn your will over to his because the things he's asked of you simply have not computed in your mind. Oh, maybe you've been willing to do things that made sense to you, but dropping your nets when you've been fishing all night in a place where you know it's the wrong time of day, the wrong place, and the wrong depth that has produced nothing so far that, unlike Simon, you've not been willing to do that. <laughs> you, instead of saying, at your word, Jesus, have been saying, no, nah, it doesn't make any sense. I'm not going to do that. But I want to challenge you. Have you ever just stopped for a moment and thought about what your hesitation to obey has cost you spiritually? Now, I'm not talking spiritually in regard to your salvation, but have you ever stopped to simply consider what the Lord could not do for you because you were unwilling to step out in faith and obedience to his command, to the word of God that he's given you as you've read that verse, you've read that passage, and it's spoken, he's spoken to you from it and said, I want you to do this. But you wouldn't, all because it simply did not make sense to you. Remember, all but two of that 
initial generation of Israelites coming out of Egypt stopped short in obeying the Lord. All but two people (laughs) stopped short in obeying the Lord because what he asked of them made no sense in light of the realities as they knew it. Let me read you that passage in Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13, verse 26. Now they, speaking of the children of Israel, departed and came back to Moses. And this is the, the scouts that they sent into the land, right? Previous verses told us that there, there were scouts that they were sending in into the promised land as they arrived after their plight from Egypt. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. I have this image of them holding up grapes the size of beach balls. I said bowling balls this morning as I taught this the first time and thinking about it. No, beach balls, beach balls. Point being, it was abundant. It was overflowing with this stuff. And they're showing them. Can you imagine that? And you know what they said next? Let's go, folks. We're here. The Lord told us we'd possess the land. Let's take him at his word. Nevertheless, at your word, Lord, we're going in and take... No. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Journey in the Word, a verse-by-verse teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Cumberland Valley. If you would like to listen to more teachings or find out more information about us, go to www.journeyintheword.org. That's www.journeyintheword.org. Thanks again for listening. We hope you'll tune in for our next episode as we continue our Journey in the Word.